0: his word and allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to our hearts about the truths that we have here in front of us this evening. But let's open in prayer and then we'll we'll sing a couple of songs. Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord, and we thank you for uh, your grace and your mercy up, uh, upon our lives, Lord, and we thank you for gathering us here in this place, this building that you've given us. And, and those online, Lord, we thank you for that they were just joining us here in, uh, wherever they are and where they may be as they listen here tonight or in the days to come. But be go before us, Holy Spirit, move in a mighty way and speak to our hearts. Do the work that you've been doing in our, work, in our lives, the, the sovereign work, and uh, sanctifying us, molding us, and shaping us into uh, more Christ-like. We want to grow and mature and our relationship with you, and our love for you, and uh, and our love for one another, we again thank you and praise you uh, for this day you've given us, and we're so thankful for your grace and your mercy, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to just take a couple of songs from Sunday, if you're here with Sunday, and uh, and we'll just take it nice and low and quiet here, and we'll just, you know, Wednesday nights are a little quieter, a little slower, but uh it's, it's all good. So we'll have an opportunity to be able to worship our Lord in song. The first song is Holiness. It's uh, Take My Life, if you're familiar with this. If not, I'll sit back and just uh, meditate on what the Lord is speaking to your heart about. Holiness,
1: holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Faithfulness is what I need. Faithfulness, faithfulness Is what you want from me? So take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours. To your Oh, Lord Righteousness Righteousness Is what I long for Righteousness Is what I need Righteousness Righteousness Is what you want From me Brokenness Brokenness is what I long for. Brokenness is what I need. Brokenness, brokenness is what you want from me. So take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it. To yours, to yours, O Lord. So take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, O oh Lord, to yours, to yours, O oh
0: Lord. It is our prayer, Lord, this evening. That uh, we would be open and and that desire to be of that holiness and that faithfulness, that righteousness, that the brokenness that needs to take place in our lives, Lord. That we would die of self and be willing to pick up our cross and follow you, and that you would, through the sanctification process, Lord, that you would just change and form our hearts and be in line with yours our minds to be a biblical mindset in line with your will and purpose our will especially how we can be so prideful in, in so many ways and not willing to bend and, and align our wills with your will And may tonight be another step forward, allowing you to have more and more of us and less and less of us. And for us personally, but the desire is more and more for you. And that it would be yours completely, fully. Have your way with us. We thank you and praise you.
1: Nail-pierced hands a wounded side. This is love, this is love. The holy heart was sacrificed. This is love, this is love. I bow down to the Holy One. I bow down to the Lamb. I bow down to the Worthy One. I bow down to the Lamb. The Son of God. He died for us. This is love. This is love. He walked the hill. He bore the cross. This is love. Yes, this is love. I bow down to the Holy One. I bow down to the Lamb. I bow down to the Worthy One. I bow down to the Lamb. One more time. I bow down to the Holy One. I bow down to the Lamb. I bow down to the worthy one. I bow down to the lamb.
0: Father, we thank you. As you prepare our hearts and and open our ears, Lord, may we choose to, to take in what you have for us, Lord, to partake of... Of the of the food that you spiritual food you have for this evening, Lord, as we open up the book of Numbers and we study what you have for us this evening, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. I'm going to hold a little bit on the announcements for the most part, but I will I, I will say that uh, we're just coming back today from uh, today's this morning's last session and what a blessing it was to be being refreshed and going down and spending time uh, with many other pastors and leaders and and servants uh, it was just it's always refreshing and encouraging uh, for for us because uh, we just it's reminding that we're, we're right on track doing what God's called us to do and uh, we it's it's a it's it's just a refreshing thing to say, Lord, we're just going to continue to do it. We're doing 10 years and we're on track and moving forward. And your blessing and, and just care for us is just, your love for us is amazing. So um, so we're, we're happy to be back, though, because uh, we're obviously, as you take a look at the building outside, the siding is off. So we're a little in disarray on the outside, but uh, it appears the 18th of October, new siding should be coming on. And so uh, that will be a fresh new look for the, for the building. So praise God for his provision and for uh, God bringing people that we would have never imagined just a few months ago that would be even part of this project. So uh, we're, we're thankful for that. So tonight we see the topic is the Camp the camp Central, uh, and you're like, what does that mean? Uh, you'll get a sense of this <laughs> on a title as we go through this. We're just going to take chapter two. Since we've been gone the last three days, I, I just said it would not be wise to try to press on to do multiple chapters, because I think there's enough here in this chapter to really, that there's enough to chew on here that uh, of, of value here, so... Numbers chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we're going to see the tribes of Israel arranged around the tabernacle. If you remember in chapter 1, God is now putting them in order uh, and they're organizing them to get prepared to walk in on, into the promised land. And so with this order, with this organization, there was a part of it is how they were to then camp around the tabernacle, uh, and for, and we touched on it last time, the importance of that and the reasons behind it, and we'll talk a little bit more about this here. So it'll be some more numbers, not quite so extensive, but I, th- I want you to get a couple of key things through this so we don't miss through it by trying to do two or three chapters at one point. But here we said, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Every one of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard, notice that, besides the emblems, notice that, of his father's house. And they shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of meeting. So Israel had been on this exodus journey, as we know, because we've been studying Exodus, and into Leviticus, and now we're here into Numbers, and remember, it's not all chronologically go in that order. So you kind of have to pick up where we're at. We're, you know, it's been a year now since they've come out of the Exodus, and for a whole time of Exodus, for that whole more than a year, they've assembled just about any way they wanted to. Could you imagine? You know, there was no organization, there was no order coming out of Exodus. It's like Pack your stuff up and everything that the Egyptians gave you and reform a value of the, the money, the, the, the gold, the silver, and all these things that God put on the hearts of the Egyptians to give to the people for, they had, for provisions and get out of here and start running for the desert. Then they get to the Red Sea, and the only order they had is that they had to stay in between the two walls of water that was coming up and going, okay, what is going to happen here? We're going to get through this. And then you know, all the, the different challenges of the enemies and, and all the things that were taken. There was no order. There was just massive two-plus million people coming across this wilderness area. And God says, that's chaos, That is absolutely chaos, but God is bringing them through this. And now as he brings them into the promised land, he says, now you have to order and some organization because that is a God of order. I kind of thought as I pondered on that a little bit, it's like our lives, our lives are such chaos coming out of Egypt. And it's like, there's no rhyme or reason and why and how did we get here and, and all the things that we go through. But then God brings order and organization, brings us into some stability and, and consistency and some things that we can, we can, we can kind of follow that helps in our lives, it stabilizes us, uh, going into the, that rest that God promises in his land. But here they are journeying across, and it's been a year, the assembly's gone crazy, they want to get, God says, no, no, it's time, we're going to the promised land, and they had to take the next steps in this organization and ordering themselves right down to how you pitch your tent in the camp, Uh, Because God is a God of order. You just don't get to decide where you were going to put your tent now. Before, you could just, wherever you are at, place your tent, and we'll move from that point because we don't know what's going to happen. But now, everything is in order and uh, and for God's purposes. And they must, one of the key things, if you notice here in verse 1 and 2, is that they're going to have to camp on his own standard they had to have the beside the emblems the representative that the crest of the family crest is what we would probably call it today you know there's a crest and we're going to see that and the last part which was important you need to camp some distance from the tabernacle meeting here and so at the center of this order was the tabernacle itself the tribes would arrange themselves according to how God said they were to be from the east to south, west, and north in relationship to the tabernacle. That's an important. I'm saying that slowly because that's very important you understand what I'm telling you here because since the tabernacle was a symbolically the presence of God with them, this meant that all order Everything in, everything in decent and orderly fashion here is, in, is in Israel began being centered around God himself. It wasn't around the tribe. It wasn't around even the nation as a whole. If everyone in the nation of Israel, all the Jews, all these God's people were to focus in on their livelihood or their presence of their family, that tent of theirs in their family, must be centered around God himself, and God was represented right there in the tabernacle. Very important, as we talk through this, how that applies to us in our lives. Our lives must be, our center, some people say, oh, where's my center, my... Okay, well, we'll use those language if you'd like. But who who are you focused upon? Who's your center? And it's got to be on Jesus Christ and Him alone. In your family. Regardless of the size of family and in the expansion or the decrease of your family, wherever you are, it must be. And it doesn't mean matter where you are within the wilderness. I don't care if you're living here in the north country or living somewhere over in another place and you're listening to us from Africa or a good friend over in Africa or down there in the Philippines, the family. Down, whoever it may be, you must, you must plant your life centered on, focused upon God's presence. Must. It's got to be central in your life. That that relationship with Jesus Christ is absolutely central. So we see here in verses 3 through 9, God gives them instructions here. I won't read all of this just because of the names. (laughs) But let me highlight to you for the sake of time and less confusion. I will highlight the fact that in here of this tribe, it says, On the east side, toward the rising of the sun, those of the standards of the forces with Judah, Judah is the number one first tribe up here that he's bringing attention. And if you remember from last week, it's the largest tribe, especially of those who had uh, the number of men, 20 and older, that were prepared to go to war as they go into the into it. But that Judah shall camp according to their armies, their family. And then we will see it broken down here, Ishakar and then Zebulon, these are these three are going to be camped on the east side of the tabernacle. So Judah was first, and the closest to the tabernacle itself, the scripture tells us. Then the tribes of Issachar, then Zebulun, followed in order after Judah. And these tribes would order themselves after the standard or the banner or flag of Judah. And what was the what do we see? We see in the the fact that they represent, or the flag, or their crest, the symbol for Judah was what was said to be a lion. That was the symbol that they were all to focus in on. Judah, Issachar, Zebulun. All of those those three tribes, all of them were coming through and they were looking for that flag, that lion, and they knew Judah was going to be established, their tents. From there, the Ishkar would establish, and then Zebulun. And they had order to place, and we see in those scriptures 3 through 9, the numbers. But the main number at the very end is that those three tribes, total number of available soldiers that represent them on the east side of that tabernacle, Eastward tribes was a one hundred and eighty six thousand four hundred. That's a lot of people camping out, don't you think? <laughs> and all the ever been camping? You, you have it, your car can barely fit everything in your car because you're bringing everything, and then you're sitting there going, "Where are we going to place this 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 tent?" Right? And as it, you're getting it all prepared, but imagine this is this is just warriors one hundred eighty six thousand four hundred warriors. That doesn't include the, fam, the the women and the children. So you imagine the task every time God, the clouds started moving, (laughs) that they they were moving, how big of a deal it was. How do you pick up a city of two million plus and just move them multiple times? It's just an incredible thing if you really think about the logistics of that. But they also we see in the scripture here in these three through nine is that these shall be break camp first. So there was an order for the encampment and the marching of the tribe. So when these orders were said, this is the order you, get your, put your, you put your tents down, this is also the order that you will then pick up your tents to start moving and marching in order and organization. So it was very clear to everyone, Judah was going to lead on that east side and the tribe, they were the first one to break down. And this kept the orderly army and not created a mob. <laughs> I want to be first. No, that's a better sight. You know, there's order. And, uh, and they had leaders. If you remember last week, they had uh, a man that was set and be the lead of that, uh, that family as a whole. Now we get to verses 10 through 16. We see the south side of the tabernacle. It says, On the south side shall be the standard of the forces of Reuben, according to their armies and the leaders of the children of Reuben. And as we read down through that, we see that on the south side, Reuben is now the very first tribe to set everything in place, to set the the closest, how, where they were supposed to not be too close to the tabernacle, because remember last week we discovered in chapter one, if you... The the Levites we'll see here next were around the tabernacle to keep some distance so that people and protect the tabernacle so that someone from the tribes wouldn't go in and touch something because they will be surely die if they did. But we here on the south side we see that it starts with Reuben as the very first, and then the tribes of Simeon and Gad would follow in order after Reuben to set their tents. They would be the ones, Reuben would be the first one to pick up. And then Simeon and Gad's tribes would then follow them as they go back into march mode as they get closer and closer to the promised land. The tribes ordered themselves as a, after the standard of Reuben, that flag that they were looking at, the flag that they were going to camp around, had a symbol on there, said to be a man. So Judah had the lion, And the Reuben represented a man. And we see at the very end of those verse, verse uh, verse 16, there was a total of 151,450 soldiers, plus women and children, that were camping on the south side. That's a lot of people on one side of a tabernacle, don't you think? We know the dimensions of the tabernacle, <laughs> but that's a lot of people. So you can imagine, we'll see the Levi's will place and then it would be Reuben and then it would, be, it would come out a little further to Simeon and then Gad. I mean, there was, there was just an order of how they're going to pitch the tent and how they're going to be the first one to pick up their tent, which tells everyone else, start picking up your tents, we're starting to move and get in an order. In verse 17, we see that the tribe in the very middle around that tabernacle was Levi. And it says, in the tabernacle of meetings shall move out with the camp of the Levites in the middle of the camps, as they camp, so they shall move out, everyone in his place by their standards. If you remember in chapter one, the Levites, they would be the ones that would start this this um, Domino effect of packing up and moving. Remember, it was they were watching the tabernacle. They were watching the presence of God, the cloud. They said when they started seeing the God moving, they started packing. Which then caused what? Judah to start packing, Reuben to start packing, and we'll see on the other two sides as well. The first ones that were starting to unpack and start ready to go and start moving. There was order that God was allowing. And but here with the camp of the Levites in the middle of the camps the priest tribe was in the middle of the camps closest to the tabernacle and surrounded by the other tribes why because they needed to protect and they ministered there at the tabernacle so the priests were responsible to God to protect God's possessions Right? They were the ones packing up the tabernacle. That was a big deal, remember? Everyone had a role and responsibilities, but they were primarily responsible based on the families. If they got the curtains, or if they were getting the utensils and all the 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 the, 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 um, the um, incense and the tables and all those kinds of things, and and then all the poles and everything. So there was order as we've been studying through Leviticus into Numbers. How that was all to take place. But apparently this was not only the way Israel was to make their camp, but also the way to order their march. Because remember, God is preparing them. I really do see this. I think he probably practiced this with them a few times to get them to understand the practicing. So when they walked in, this was not a something new. That God is going to take them through some lessons here to get them in order to go in and do what God's called them to do. And I, again, as I ponder on this, I think the Lord does the same thing. He gets us to repeat things over and over and over a few times in preparation to actually do something that he wants us to do. And so every time someone says, well, why do I feel like I'm, re- this is, it's like a repeat, repeat, you know, push the replay, replay. Because you haven't learned it the first time. or you haven't learned the lessons a second time, or you're really being tough here because God wants you to learn this, and he's going to keep pushing replay button on you to get you to get understanding of what he wants you to do for him, and in preparation to actually do something even bigger. So don't fight him. Just be obedient. Can you imagine the mob if they weren't obedient to God? Two million people. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle that he got of, all, all of them out of Exodus <laughs> and got them through as far as they did for a year without order and organization. He was just protecting them and they were just mob, just going across the wilderness. Amazing. In verses 18 through 24, we see the tribes camp to the west of the tabernacle. So on the west side shall be the standard of the forces of Ephraim, according to their armies and the leaders of the children of Ephraim. So we see here in those verses 18 through 25, here on the west side of the tabernacle, Ephraim was the first tribe to to set the stage for the other tribes, uh, which uh, was Manasseh. And Benjamin, those were the other two tribes with um, Ephraim on that west side of the tabernacle. And the tribes ordered themselves after that standard of Ephraim, and what was the flag that they needed to keep their eye on to pitch their tent and follow? It was said to be a calf. So the first one, a lion, that's Judah. Then we see uh, we see Reuben with the, the standard or the standard bearer, the, the emblem of, of man, and then we see a calf. Interesting, isn't it? We will see at the very end why that's interesting to you and I, because on the westward side, the tribes totaled 108,100, we see there at the very end of verse 24. Interesting because as we see this, they weren't equally distributed. <laughs> why did they have more people on their side and not up as many? It did, there, was a, there was a purpose for everything that God does. Why didn't he just put all the bigger ones, you know, the Judas and all the bigger ones over here and the smaller ones? There? You know, as we look through this, he had a purpose and reason why they were matching the tribes up. You know, sometimes we think when we hear the nation of Israel, we think of the tribes. These are all brothers. They're all the same, right? <laughs> Anyone who has brothers have 12 brothers. No, you're not going to have 12 exactly the same personalities, same way they think, what drives them, what's of interest, what's their motivation. It's always very diverse, even in a very large families, is it not? These tribes were the same thing. These tribes had their own culture, their own little, their own subset culture within the nation of Israel. They even say historically they had di- different dialects in some form or fashions, and their own verbiage and how they communicated. So we always picture this as perfectly the same all the way across. Everyone's the yeah. It's predictable. That's it's just not uh, historically accurate or scripturally or even naturally to think that or they're all thinking the same way and had the exact same language. Any culture, any city of two million people, do you think they all sound the same? Even Israel, when they are all come, they had history in Egypt and, and what they did and how they did it. So it was a very cross-cultural, even within Israel, or the Jewish people there. Now we see in Numbers chapter 2, verses 25 through 31, we see that the tribes Camped to the north of the tabernacle, the standard of the forces with Dan shall be on the north side, according to their armies and the leader of the children of Dan. Now, as you take a look through 25 through 31, and you're glancing down through with all of those, we see that Dan was the first one to set the precedence on that north side of the tabernacle. And from there, Asher and uh, Nebuchadnezzar Naphtali were the other two tribes that camped with Dan. Now, what was the symbol or what was the standard of Dan that they were to look for? That little emblem, the flag. And it was said to be an eagle is what their symbol was for Dan. An eagle. Of all four that we know, I think I'd rather have had the eagle. It sounds like a really cool emblem. The standard to have is the, is the eagle here. But that's the standard of Dan, that the other two tribes, Asher and Naphtali, was to be following and make sure they camped around that that flag. And as they marched, as in order fashion, they were to follow that flag. They were to be looking for that eagle flag or that emblem that they had to keep an eye on that as they moved forward. Now for the northward side of the tribes, these three tribes, they totaled, the number of soldiers was 157,600 as you can uh, note that there at the end of, uh, in verse 31. 157,600. Now in verse 32 through 34 we kind of see a little bit of a summary of the order here. It says, These are the ones who were numbered of the children of Israel by their father's houses. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces were 603,550. But the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel just as the Lord commanded Moses. Thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they camped by their standards, and so they broke camp, each one by his family, according to their father's houses. So 603,550 people, available soldiers, families and kids and, and wives... They all had an order around the tabernacle and the number excluded the tribe of Levi because they were not to be counted, as if you remember, in chapter 1. But each tribal group was arranged after the standards of the tribe and they didn't have a say that we wanted to go on the another side. I don't like the way the, the sun rises on the east. We're being cheated over here on the north or the west. Or, you didn't... I can imagine that the people kind of complained and said, why how did we get how did we draw the straws on this one? Someone was after us, someone doesn't like Dan. That's how we end up getting over here. You know, I'm sure it happens because of the nature of people, right? But they listened and they followed. We don't see anything in the scripture that says there was a mob or mutiny against it. And then when we studied Exodus, when they, they had no problem turning against. (laughs) <laughs> against God's leaders, Moses, and God had it in the scriptures that says that they went against Moses, and went against Aaron, went against all the leaders there. Yeah? So if there was any mutiny around why they having to pitch the tent the way they are, um, the only thing we all know that is this population was disobedient. It was un, it was, uh, they had a lack of faith, did they not? But they still kept the order. At least we don't see where they did not keep the order. But each one, they broke the camp, marched in the same order, and they did that to make sure they were prepared and ready to go into the promised land. So the remaining of our time, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you four observations that I see from the text today in chapter two, Numbers. And you may have picked some of these up already uh, in regards to the observations. First, God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And here before Israel can take the promised land, he requires them to get in order, order themselves, have an organization. I believe it was, it was very purposeful so people could understand. There, there wasn't being any confusion. They had it God I believe, really, I do believe he tested them and tested them to move and pack up and to set tents and make sure they were ready and obedient to what God is ready to take them into the promised land. Not only is it more efficient and useful to have order, but is also simply more like God. God is a God of order and organization. In regards to making sure there's some boundaries, as we would say, or some Foundations we would refer to as some terminology. Or what is the structure that you're building your life upon? What's the doctrines? of? And there's things that we use throughout the scriptures that we read to disc, understand as we study the scripture, you see a God of order. Now there's a limit to what we can be and what we can do for the Lord without order and organization. It isn't that order and organization Are needed and required for progress in the Christian life, especially, but they are progress, but they are, but they give progress in the Christian life. Is that required? But it will help you in your Christian life and make progress in your Christian life and become more like the Lord if you would have these set, ordered patterns in your life that you develop. We call them habits. I, I kind of pondered on it. It's like, why would you refer to this, Lord? And he says... Corey, you need to develop new habits, good godly habits. You were living a chaos life before you gave your life to me. Then once you gave your life to me or to me, there's some chaos that took place for a, for a good six months to a year, figuring this thing out because I've never read a Bible before and gone to church before and, and got around godly people before. And why do they talk differently than the military language that I use? And and all this stuff is kind of confusing to me. But eventually. There was new order and patterns that were developed as a Christian in regards to studying the Word of God, learning how to pray, learning how to serve God. I mean, these are new orders. and We are not an organization as a church. It's an organism. The church is you. It's the people. But as the people gather together, can you imagine if we didn't have some kind of order? Or organization, there would be chaos because, let's say we had no order and we didn't start at six thirty on Wednesday nights. You would go, I don't know when you're going to be starting. Well, sometimes I felt like doing six, sometimes I feel like doing six thirty, sometimes I I didn't feel like showing up and you guys did, and it's a way you know. Can you imagine how far that would go? You can think of so many things just in gathering God's people together in a common place. And some people will say, "Well, if we could just live outside and don't have buildings and just you know sit on the ground just like they did," are you kidding me? They had order, had organizations, they had places, they had tents. I mean, you think that's you just go find a plot of land and and plop down a, a, a you know. A hundred people and just anywhere. You have to have order of where they're going to be. I mean, you just have to think that through just, just naturally. And you know there's, there's always order. Because God, God is a God of order. And if you don't, then nothing would be accomplished. Nothing would is accomplished in God's kingdom without order and organization. Let me say that again. Nothing is accomplished in God's kingdom without order and organization. But behind the scenes, even though we might see, oh, this just seems chaotic, I don't know what's going on here, because you don't have control and you're dealing with control issues in your life, and you're not sure because you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle, because you don't have to have all the pieces of the puzzle. But behind the scenes, God is moving with utmost order and organization. We just can't see it. But God is a God of order. He's orchestrating every step. He has a plan. He knows what's, He knows from the, from the beginning to the end. We don't, but he does. And that's all that matters. And once you get that settled, it only matters God's in control. He has a plan for my life and he loves me and I have a good, good father. It's going to be good. I may not think it's good, but, that, but God would not do something that is not good for me. And he's a God of order and organization. His timing is perfect. The second thing I observed here is God orders things according to his wisdom. Not according to our wisdom. As he's arranging these tribes... He did not place the largest tribes closest to the tabernacle as if because you're bigger and you have a bigger influence and you have more money, then you get a prominent position. That's not, not how he works. Ephraim, you're the closest westward tribe, is the third smallest tribe. Why are they in the lead position? They're small. What do they have to contribute? They don't have as many people doing this work. (laughs) Oh, the subtleness of how the human nature can be in regards to thinking more highly of themselves based on power and size and prominence and name. That's not how God works. God orders things according to his wisdom, not ours. Nor did he place all the large tribes on the outward perimeter for greater protection. Because we see in the structure here, Benjamin is the smallest, the second smallest tribe, and they were on the outer perimeter. Now some of us we would say, well that doesn't make sense. You've got to have the big tribes out there to keep the enemy away, and have a good wall of tents out there to help us to combat this going on. Why do you put the small one out there? Just understand and settle in your mind. Not only is God a God of order, and he is working behind the scenes when you and I cannot see, he is moving to accomplish his purpose. And two, God orders things according to his wisdom, not ours. The scripture says, our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. So once you get understanding, Lord, I just want to be in line with your thoughts, so I'm going to come to you in prayer. That's what prayer is for, is to come and say, Lord, what is your will in this situation? I need your wisdom. I need your direction. Tell me what it is. I'm not telling you what I want and what I'm going to do and how it's supposed to be done. You tell me I'm just going to be an obedient uh, servant and go do what you're telling me to do. Why? Because you are a God who is doing things according to his wisdom, and he knows all things. Did you know that? That's the God who we serve. But so many times, the way we live our lives is we do not believe the God that we serve is all wisdom. Because some reason, you and I sometimes think we know what's best. <laughs> and we tell God what we want to do or not do. It's foolish when you really think about it, right? Our resistance to God's orders and organization sometimes is almost always the product of simple selfishness. Wanting to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you do it, instead of the Lord's. For slaves, it is simple. You wake up in that morning, and slaves are always told what to do and don't need to be ordered or organized. They were just told what to do, and they go do it. But free men must be taught order and organization and must submit to it. We have to learn to submit as free men and women to what God is showing us to his order and organization. Now, how does that apply to us? As we read the word of God and we come across passages in the word of God that says this is how things are in order in the family. This is how the order happens in my family, the church family. This is the order. This is how I want it. What are the biggest challenges in society to today? People not wanting to do it God's way within the family or within the church. Even even, even communities. I'm not listening to authority. Children, I'm not listening to my parents and authority. They're out of order. God says you're to submit to your parents, we're to submit to, to, to the authorities. As long as they don't go against the word of God, we're supposed to submit. The husband's the head of the house. Pastors are to be men. And what are being challenged today in every aspect in the church body today? Anywhere God has an order or set position of, of what's happening, there is always pushback and not, and not submission. And that's why there's challenges in many churches. I'm thankful that we don't have those issues here at Calvary Chapel. Because you know the word of God and you you choose God's wisdom. Regardless of how you feel and what you think. (laughs) We choose to do God's wisdom. Because he knows all things. The third observation here in our text today is everything was positioned in relation to the presence of God. All those tents had to be in order and focused on centering around the tabernacle. God could have described where the tribe of Judah was in relationship to the tribe of Dan, but he did not the reference point that they had to stay focused on was always God Himself. And it's, it's, it's hard. It, it is At times, it's very hard to underestimate the trouble people get into in their walk with God because their position or how they measure themselves in their walk with Christ is always in reference to other people. God is the one, is the only one we're to be focused on. Not other people. Because if what happens is if Dan was referencing off of Judah, Judah may be off track and then strayed Dan off on track. And everything's all messed up. And they wouldn't even know where they're supposed to be putting their tents down and, and, and being stable where God wants them to do. Because now they're looking around other people, other tribes, and what they're doing versus what God is saying. And if I can encourage you, my brothers and sisters say, you must focus on Jesus Christ. That is who you govern all things and measure things and say, where am I at in my walk with God? How am I measuring up with my walk? And you should never look to the left and to the right and say, I'm doing better than that person. You're wrong. God, am I pleasing you today? Am I in your will? Am I submissive to your will and purpose and plan? You're always basing it upon your Lord and Savior. The Word of God. And the fourth observation. (laughs) The tribes of Israel camped around four banners. I told you I'd bring you back to this, this, this topic. Four banners, which were said to be a lion... A man, a calf, and an eagle. Where do you see those four symbols in the scripture? Well, we find those same four creatures surrounding the throne of God in Revelation. Revelation chapter 4, verse 7. The living creatures were like a lion... A second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Isn't that amazing? And what that tells me and tells you is God's order is never arbitrary. Arbitrary. Or just made up on the whims. (laughs) Let's just figure this out as we go, you know. It is after what he shows us here in Numbers chapter 2 is the absolute pattern, a heavenly pattern that we see in heaven. We must always accept God's order and organization even when we don't understand it. Because you must understand tonight, what we're seeing in the shadows is the foretelling or what we see all the way into heavenly places of what it's going to be like for you and I. Isn't that a beautiful picture for us? How God showed his people all the way back in the time of the wilderness. Before they were going into the promised land. God was already showing them, just like the tabernacle, when we studied the tabernacle, it is a heavenly picture of the throne of God. And here we see another picture of the heavenly pattern that God has. He is a God of order. He has a pattern. When we study the word of God, we pick up on patterns where God is repeating things two or three times, take no. Where you see oh, a certain word is applied, you go back and you study the word to see where else it's applied. So there's a consistency of what God is showing you of the meaning of certain words. And that takes study. It takes coming, regardless of how you feel, and sitting and going through the scriptures together so that you can learn and grow in your knowledge and understanding. It's a beautiful thing. And I hope, I do. My, my prayer for all of you is that you will fall deeper in love with studying the word of God because there's so many, there's such richness of what God has for you. And it does apply to us even in the book of Numbers. I know, it's going to become your favorite book if it's not already. Father, we thank you for your this evening, Lord. We thank you for allowing and gathering us here this beautiful fall day you've given us. Season new season that we're in, not only outward season and the temperatures and but also a season of life for us personally each and one of us. May we be just so in awe of your wonder and, and glory of watch as we see the outward and um, formation of the clouds to the unexpected rainbows that you pop up there for us and the change of the leaves and and uh, seeing the fact that it's ends of one season but the beginning of a new but I pray for each and every person who's listening here Lord that you are God of order God of organization and you're working things in their lives and you reveal when you want to how you want to in the purpose of you want to, to reveal those plans in our lives as you see fit. And may we be patient. May we just be submissive to your will and to your purpose as you put the desires in our hearts and guide our steps. And we thank you and praise you for your grace and your mercy upon us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. Love you dearly. If you have any prayer needs, please. Come on up and or if you're online, don't hesitate to get a hold of us. God bless you all. Have a great night.